Welcome to the Talking Story Podcast, where we believe all of us can have a more purposeful and meaningful, and yes, an even more exciting life. Listen to inspiring stories about ordinary people who have done extraordinary things with their lives, through their hobbies, their passions, and their businesses. Join your hosts, father and daughter team, Bob and Kelsey, as they travel the world seeking out those whose stories inspire us to do things greater than what we imagined we could. I don't think there's any other better way than to start off a podcast with a little Dr. Seuss. I grew up on Dr. Seuss. I think almost anyone could say they grew up on a little Dr. Seuss. Green eggs and ham. I tell ya. So on Moy Moy Market, we like to post a lot of quotes and... Um, this is on the Instagram, by the way. So if you are on any social media platform, Facebook, Instagram, please go in and find us Moy Moy Market because we want to inspire you each week with cool products as well as awesome quotes that just get you motivated and ready to take on your week. So this is what started my week off. And it says, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. <laughs> and uh, I love that quote because I think that exemplifies what Charles Moley is about at this point because he's starting to care. He's realizing there's an orphan crisis in Kenya. In fact, he was an orphan himself. Yep. And if you guys have not heard that story, listen to part one. That was last week. And it's important to tune in uh, before you listen to this next week or this today because we're explaining a lot of what has happened in Charles Moley's life to get him to this point of caring, where he goes home and tells his wife and his kids, hey, I understand that we are one of the wealthiest Kenyan families in Kenya, but I'm selling everything, and we're going to start taking kids off the streets in Kenya. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's almost unimaginable. And I'm trying to think how many people on the planet would do that I mean, there are some people who might be willing if they had nothing to lose, but he had everything to lose and really nothing financially to gain. And yet you would say 30 years later, after being ridiculed, and some people thought he was crazy, um, and his kids thought he was, you know, not mentally crazy, but making an unwise, you know, like there goes their house, there goes their comfort, there goes education, their cars. college it's education. like, oh, dad, please, what are you thinking? Yeah, I could only imagine. I, I, I remember when we watched the documentary, I just put myself in Esther, his wife's shoes, and I thought, I don't know how I would handle that yeah. as a wife, uh, hearing my husband come home and say, um, hey, I'm selling everything and we're going to start bringing kids off the streets. And that is why Charles Moley is truly one of my heroes in yes. this life because Not mine too. his love and his sacrifice for others and is just tremendous. And I, I think we share this story because we're not trying to ask any, you know, every single person to go out there and, and start an orphanage, start an orphanage and sell everything they have. I think uh, Charles Moley takes it to a, a huge level and one I do aspire to. But I tell you, there's conviction in my own life when I hear his story about what maybe my comforts are and that there's reasons I may not be doing what I feel in my heart I should be doing or called to do because um, I like the comfort that I'm in. I like the money that I'm making. I like the life that I have. And I think there's inspiration when I hear his story of just remembering what life is really about. Well, when you were talking, when you ended last week's 
uh, podcast, you talked about working with the eighth grade girls. And you said, girls, today we're going to talk about giving back. And they, there was some response about, I have my own issues, you know. I've, you know I'm, I'm down, I'm depressed, I've got an eating disorder, whatever it might be. And you started saying, no, but we've got to think outside of ourselves. One of the things that researchers have found is that often people that are going through a time of depression, if they will just get out of bed and go help someone else, it brightens their day. All of a sudden, it lifts that depression. All of a sudden, they're, they're helping out at the soup kitchen or they're helping as a volunteer at a race that, let's, you know, maybe it's a race, that, a bike race or a running race that helps, you know, earn money for uh, fight a disease or whatever. And, and just being out there volunteering, there's a new heart and a lifting of the heart and a, and a smile on their face. And if you were to ask them, how do you feel today? They're like, I feel pretty good. And uh, so it, it doesn't have to be uh, selling everything we have and starting an orphanage. Sometimes it's as easy as being an eighth grader and saying, how do I make a bracelet for another girl and write it down and, it, and give it to her with a heartfelt, I care about you. Uh, I'm looking past myself. I just want you to know that I care. Yeah, that's so true. Well, you guys, we're going to launch into this, uh, the next part of the interview. I know many of you are excited to listen in and hear more about uh, Charles Moley and his journey in now uh, starting this orphanage and how it began. And it wasn't easy. He got a lot of ridicule from his neighbors, his close friends, his church even. And so just a reminder that when we are called to do things that are beyond ourselves, it's not going to be an easy thing. But he can tell you today, and we're going to hear it again at the end of the interview, that everything he's done in the last 30 years has been worth it. No regrets. And miracles have happened in his life and his family's life in helping these kids. And it's just incredible because I don't think he could have seen himself where he's at now and how many kids he's helped, 15,000 children. He's a father to 15,000 kids. And I think that's incredible. So you guys, without further ado, please enjoy this next part of the episode. And uh, stay tuned with us afterwards because we're going to talk about it. But one of our daughter, of his daughter said, Dad, I'm with you. I will pray for you. No, and that gave him the energy. They met a prayer. Mama Esther had witnessed all this happen. He had, she had been to the street with Daddy Muli in the nights, seeing those children. But it was difficult even for her to take in the news. But she made a prayer that evening. God, if it is really you who has called my husband to do this, then let it not be that after we serve you, it will be a shame to us that we were foolish to serve you with all our resources and our children serve So that was it. The devotion was over, the good news was over, but everybody walks wondering now what next. The following morning, three kids come home. Muli children's family began in Edward, 1989, 17th of September, and home has begun. Three children are home. The next day, more kids are coming, more children are coming home. It started now no more going to business, but reaching out to the kids and bringing them home. We don't have staff workers. Mama Esther is the cook, is the nurse, she is the mother. 
the babysitter for all these. You have to wash them, clean them, cook for them, nurse their wounds, the scabies, you know, the skin diseases and all that. And this spread to all members of the family because of the, some of these, like the skin diseases, are contagious. So and everybody now was like, we are all the same. It was hard. Friends ran away. Five years, nobody gave any coin to support Dr. Muli to help these children. But instead they said he's mad. His mind is not working well. The fellowship, the church where he was, their chairman excommunicated him. They said, no, this man is evil. He is like possessed because they had not seen any person do those kind of things that he was doing. It was different. But he went on. Five years, that's when one missionary from German, hearing the news, shared with a small prayer group, you know, and they were able to start supporting MCF with 1,000 US dollars for 12 months, one year. And that was the first donation given to Muri children after five years. That Muri sold the buses, he sold the, the gas business, the oil business, you know, everything, the farms, the houses, everything crossing down to helping the children feed them, clothe them, and give them, you know, hope. Because they were sent out of a church compound, Dadimuri had to start devotions at the home. And that's how our MCF chapels began. Because you could not accept us to worship with them. Dadimuri started that we could worship at home. And the MCF chapel began. They were not allowed by school, government schools to, to, you know, to mix with them because they said these were drug addicts, these were prostitutes, these were children that could teach their good children bad behaviors. Mm. So what do you do? Yeah. He began in our school within MCF in Edward. But the numbers were growing and growing, so he needed a place, and he had sold all his property. And that's how he moved now the children from Eldoret in 1995 to MCF Ndarani, where we are today. And the journey now had begun. From 1989 in Eldoret, 1995, now we are in MCF Ndarani with over 375 children that now had gone, you know, in Eldoret now we are getting transition to MCF Ndarani beginning with the older kids, then to the young kids. But you may ask yourself, how did MCF Ndarani come about? No, some time back, Dadimuri had bought this property to be his retirement place from business. You know, anybody in business, or you're doing your job, you're thinking about your rural retirement, quiet place where you finally retire to. And this was to be his retirement Place. Yeah, he was starting to put up his retirement house, which he stopped because of the children. Yeah. And now he was like, God, what do I do with these children? They are sneaking, going back to the towns at night, you know, taking the same drugs and coming. And they need a place away from town where they can be able to be rehabilitated. But he had no property. He, told, he remembered he had this small property here. And so he brought the first kid. But before he did that, he came with Mama Esther. When they came here, they found that it had not rained for three years. People had not had produce. So he meets with a lady, which I, I know 
a little child, three kids, and they were like, we've not had rains, and they were crying, they needed food. Mm. So it felt really like, what should I do? But of course, you know, when you're traveling, you have snacks, no share toward the heart with mama in the car, then drove out here, it was dry, nothing at all, it was brown. The trees that were here, people had cut down to burn charcoal to at least get some money for food. And therefore, this was like a desert. Nothing was here. Then he thought, now, this is where we're coming to stay. There was no clean water, no electricity, and the children came here. So you could imagine what happens. Staff members who, were, who came here ran away, leaving the children alone. Kids started sneaking and running away back to the streets. So he had to spend more time here trying to tell the children that this is going to be Eden, you know, like the Garden of Eden with the good things that God had created. But it was hard for even the children to believe because what they saw was dust, desert, just nothing. Literally, people would go to school from morning, afternoon. It, because it's too hot in the afternoon, nobody goes to school. There were no classrooms. You were running under a tree. You see, the Kesha tree right there, that was the classroom. That was the chapel where prayers were made. And here, there were no permanent structures. They were makeshift, you know, like these ones. That's their dormitory. It is very hot during the day. So, and that was the life. Life was hard. But from Eldoret to Ndarani, in the year 2000, God opened an opportunity to have a third home in MCF Yata, where we shall be visiting. And that became because of the need to help a girl child. So, what is the Dinuli's idea? You may ask yourself now, what, why is this man doing all this? You know, deep in his life, Adimuri has been desiring, like, how can we in Africa be able to develop, you know, an African solution to the African problem? Yeah. And so he's trying in some way to contribute in little ways to bringing up a solution through his philosophy of saving children's lives. Why? Children are a future of any nation. Children are a future for any church, you know, because they are going to be the church elders, they are going to be the future missionaries, they are going to be the future evangelists in whichever area. You know, train them the word of God. They will be their, you know, accountants who know God. They will realize they are the stewards of God's resources. And so therefore, the issue of corruption in Africa would be dealt with. The issue of, you know, uh, you know, me, me, would be dealt with because they will know it is not about me. It is about serving God. And so that's how his philosophy is based on saving the children's lives. Knowing saving the children's life, you are saving a generation, you are saving a future of any nation, of any continent. You know, and that's what he's working for. And so what could be that Muri's mission? His mission is to follow Jesus Christ in helping the rest fortunate in the community. And with the vision of seeing these young people and the marginalized members of the community lead a decent and a dignified livelihood. And so that's what MCF stands for. You know, vision, 
see these young people have a decent and dignified life. Mission for Jesus Christ in helping these people have that decent and dignified life. What could Jesus do if a beggar showed up? What could Jesus do if a woman crying for food? What did he do? We have the records, the Bible, you know, the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus knew he needed healing. That's what he gave. The lady who had lost his son, Jesus knew he needed resurrection. You know, above all, he knew all of us had fallen short of the glory of God. We needed redemption. He died for us so that we may light the lives of many. And that's what MCF stands for, that mission of following Jesus Christ in helping the young and the marginalized members of our community. And then you may ask, what are our core values? What values do we hold? One major value that I can say for now is unconditional love. Love that knows no boundary, the love of Jesus Christ. So this unconditional love, when extended to any child, to any community, to any worker, to any person, we retouch their lives and we transform them. Remember, they may be evil, but that's the best they know. They, you need to touch them with the love of God to bring them to what you know that is good. Nicodemus was touched by Christ because Christ loved him unconditionally that he was able even to invite him to that night discussion. And that brings one verse, which is the entire Bible in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. That verse is cause the demonstration of the unconditional love that God demonstrates. And what about us today? What we need to do? And that's what Adimuli is doing. That how can we give these children who have been rejected, abandoned, abused, touch them unconditionally. Yes, they have been done all those evil, but love them the way Christ could love them, embrace them, and let them feel they have value. That's, that's our value as MCF. That's what we stand for. And they see that those kids get their rights, and they are people like us. They are members of the kingdom of God. One day we shall celebrate together with them whether we were very rich or we, we they, they, they were very poor when christ comes again if you born again together we celebrate it will not be they were from the street it will not be they were sexually abused they accepted christ and we shall be together amen amen wow Ooh, i am tearing up in that story and wow there's so much power so sorry. It's incredible because I'm here watching the hope of Jesus in these kids' lives. Mm. It's pretty cool what you guys are doing. All that to say, Tom, would you help us understand how, for those that have heard this story, maybe for the first time, maybe they've seen the documentary, Molly, the movie, um, and they're just moved like I am right now. How can someone participate in what you guys are doing here in these kids' lives? Um, in you are currently helping 375 children as we speak through all your programs and uh, at MCF, but you've helped 15,000 kids in your years that you have had your doors open. Can you share with us a little bit of how we can participate? 
Yeah, there are several avenues that uh, actually uh, anybody can participate in the Muri model. Because once we get to understand the model itself, then we can be able to see where can I be able to participate. Yeah. The model of Muri children's family is actually we deal with the rescue of the children. Then we help them in the rehabilitation. Then there is the reintegration. Then we also work with the prevention or the mitigation. So when they look at the, uh, the rescue part, is where children are brought in, reaching them out in the streets, you know, in difficult situations, and then giving them an opportunity to come to MCF. At this point, you know, you have to set up structures that will help these kids come in. You know, you need money that will take the social workers to go for a mission, either to the street, you know, you have your mission choir, you need a mission pass, which of course, like vehicle which takes them out there and MCF prepares that, then meals, food that you will share with them at the street, and then, uh, you know, time to interact with them, share with them the word of God. So that structure has to be there to be able to help. And through that, sometimes some missions you're not able to do them because sometimes probably you'd not have the cash, the money that you will organize for that, those kind of trips to, to the street or to the very rural areas where we have orphans, you know, where we have cases of defilement, cases of rape, and that can be rescued. Then when the children come to MCF, now that's where the rehabilitation begins, transformation of their lives. And in the transformation of their lives, you know, there's the need for meeting their physiological need. They need clothes, they need food, they need, you know, clean water, they need, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like the ladies, the girls, they grow up, they need sanitary pads and all that, or towels. And you have to provide those kind of stuff, those kind of items for them. No, apart from giving them this physiological need, there is now the psychological support or psychosocial support where now we need the guidance and the counseling. They need social workers, psychologists, you know, pastors to help them through spiritual nourishment, you know, for those deep spiritual needs that these children have. So through all that, you need personnel. You need people and you know, people who will come to work with you, they will need to be paid for the services that they offer. So through that, you know, there's the element now which we will be able to see at the end when talking about mitigation, which is creation of jobs. You know, they come in as social workers, they're coming in as drivers for the cars, you know, but you're creating a job. But at the end of it is you are trying to see like, how do we help this particular child? The dormitories, you know, accommodation facilities, the mattresses, you know, cups and the plates that they use. You know, these kids are not used to having these things. They use a spoon, they throw it away, yeah. or it is lost. Then you have to continue buying and buying. And sometimes people don't understand this. There are those infections, skin diseases. Some of them, the infections need a lot of, you know, finance because they have to go through scanning, through x-rays, through, you know, all this kind of medical research to ascertain what kind of treatment. So this requires referrals to other hospitals. And 
this is really huge finance that is needed to be able to go that. Then through this again, the rehabilitation processes, this is where you nurture the talents. Because these children, not everyone is going to go through education and become a doctor, a nurse. There are those who can get into hands-on skills training, like carpenters, like machinery, like you know, welding. And you need all this kind of facility to be able to help them to, to achieve that. Because they, at the end, what you are looking at is they will be able to lead their own independent, dignified lives as individuals. So there is huge need for those kind of provisions. Then you look moving on to reintegration. The kids that you brought in, either from the street, from you know, very poor backgrounds, destitutes, taking them back to their communities because they are not going to be in the institution forever. They really need to move out the society and be able to work and be able to lead the example you know, of a more the life that they have achieved of the life that you have given them. Then you have to reunite them with the community. So again, it requires sometimes lots of traveling because we are rescuing from all over the country, from the west, the north, the south, every tribe. Like now we have over 33 tribes here in, in MCF. And so you are thinking about how do you connect to the families all over the country because of this boy, this girl that is here, because they one day go back to those communities. So provision of periodic visit you know, there's money, social workers have to visit their homes, these kids have to go there during like uh, holidays or vacations to at least have a day or two with their family so that they, they have a picture of what's going on and that gives them a motivation to work hard when they are in, at the center. And then they know there's a duty, a responsibility they have to carry as they take up their studies or their provision here. So there is all that. Then when you talk about now the mitigation or the prevention strategy, now that's where you see now Dr. Muri is again looking at now how do we incorporate now the social uh, sustainability element in what we are doing. When you talk about now social sustainability, we have been able to engage in a social entrepreneurship whereby we are engaged in, you know, like generating income that the proceeds, normal, you know, like commercial entrepreneur go, the shareholders will share the profits. But now the proceedings, money that is realized, goes back to help in, in, the, in this. How does it work? One, there is the provision of clean, safe water which now helps the community to deal with waterborne-related illnesses, like typhoid, you know, virus and all that. Then there is upper respiratory tract infections. We working on production of modern cookstoves at MCF. Now, this helps reduce this emission of smoke. Through that, we are saving the forest, the cutting down of trees, because we are in the same arid region. No, we want to create a microclimate, a greener environment, which will be conducive for the children and their community, attracting more rains in the future. So that is really uh, you know, a force or a process that needs to see, like, why are we having uh, to rescue the children? Their parents are dying 
because of water upon dreaded illness. So if we provide a glass of clean water, how much will that help them? Yeah. It will help them, one, prevent them being sick. If they are not sick, what happens with their healthy bodies? They can get casual jobs, and that means they can earn some income for their family. Mm -hmm. The time they spend in hospital or sick in the beds, there will be time spent in doing some casual work to get something for them. What about the children? Because they take the same water, they will be absent from school. Yeah. So that means they not take their studies well if they are absent. So giving them just water, you transform their education, you transform the health, you transform the economics of the people, and you, you, you raise that community. And that's part of what MCF is doing. But how then do we reach to getting that water? There is the structures that has to be put in place. Construction of, uh, you know, uh, water treatment plant, drilling of boreholes, you know, even out there in the community, so that these people can access water at proximity. And then those are like, maybe like, what can I do? You know, you can join in any of this. You know, being able to frontier, you know, service, share your knowledge, you know, partner in the rescue, in the rehabilitation, sponsoring a child so that that child can be able to have provision while they're in MCF, you know, education provision, for example. For three years, there's been changes of our curriculum. Now we are in a competent-based curriculum where each child is supposed to have a computer. And this one, uh, you don't have money for that. And with all these children that we have now in the rural primary, each child who needs to have a computer. And this program is provided by the government. So you have to buy from the government. You know, it could be easier if the computers were bought from anywhere as long as you have them. But now they, have, they are very strict. They are providing them. So you pay for them. So money for having those gadgets for the student to study if we have to continue with provision of quality education. So it, those are areas like somebody can see like, can I be able to partner with MCF in health provision? You know, I'm a nurse, maybe organizing medical camp, mobilizing people that they can come over for a medical camp or send in medical supply to support or funds to buy you know, medication. All those are avenues that one can partner with MCF. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tom. And what is the website that they can learn more about MCF and what you guys are doing? And are you on social media? Yeah, you can get us through uh, no MCF website, which is www.murichildrensfamily.org. You know, uh, Muri Children's Family is as one word okay. and uh, in lowercase. Yeah. And we're going to put that in our show notes, too. So for you guys to want to know more how you can participate, there's a lot of ways you can. Mm -hmm. And we'll have those all in a list for you, as well as the website in which you can reach Moli Children's Family mm -hmm. uh, directly. So thank you guys so much for your time. I know there's so much more we need to talk about. We may have to do a part two on this podcast because I know I have a lot more questions. But at least mm -hmm. our listeners can get an overview of the story mm -hmm. and what's happening here in Kenya and what you folks are doing yeah. in raising these children up to be amazing. I love the rehabilitation part of it. It's you're bringing and rescuing in kids and you want to get them to be 
amazing citizens in their community making a difference for the future generations to come. And of course, instilling the hope of Jesus Christ in their lives, and that's huge. Thanks you guys so much. Most welcome. In the movie Schindler's List, it ends with Schindler looking back and uh, thinking, my ring, if only I would have sold my ring, I could have rescued another Jewish person. I, I, I could have done more. And somehow I think with Dr. Charles Mulley, although he has rescued 15,000 kids off the streets of Kenya, if you were to ask him, he wouldn't be... He'd be happy, very happy about that, but I think he, there would be a Schindler-esque-ness to him in that he'd be like, I'm looking for 15,001, and then two, 15,003 and four. Uh, he wants this to well live past him, and I think uh, with what he's accomplished already in this past 30 years, it's going to live on through his kids, through the orphans who are now helping run the program to reach more and more and more. Kelsey, what did you see there when you were actually on site that excited you the most? I think I saw um, the pride that the the kids have, the beneficiaries, the um, kids in the past who have gone through the orphanage and the program who now have come back to serve and to work there. Um, Charles' kids um, who are uh, working there too to help bring in more and more orphans. I mean, there is such a need there. They can never do enough. There's always kids and uh, girls and uh, just like people who are hurting and struggling and not sure how they're even going to get their next meal. I think, again, we take for granted here in the Western world that there's food in our fridge and there's water in our faucet and it's no big deal. But so much of the world out there is just not sure where they're going to get their next meal day to from. Day. Meal and, to meal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as I left Charles Moley's orphanage, um, MCF, I started reading a book that was written by one of the, the girls who was rescued. And I mean, in brief, her story was that her parents had died uh, at an early age and she went to live with her grandparents. And her grandparents loved her so very much, but they, in all honesty, could not afford food to feed her. Yeah. They could barely feed themselves. They were starving. And so she describes her experience living with her grandparents that she could really managed to eat one meal a day and her stomach was she was in pain she was hungry all the time she wanted to go to school they couldn't afford to send her to school she didn't even have shoes so uh, she would go barefoot to the school sneak in just try to learn she didn't have the books but she just wanted to listen and then it was an uncle that came in one day and said I, I know you love your grandparents but they can't they can't survive and take care of you at the same time. And so he went knocking on MCF, Molly Children's Family, and she ended up living there with her sister. And it just changed her world. Mm. She was able to get an education. She was able to get food. They feed the kids three times a day. And it's not just uh, corn. They actually want a well-balanced meal. and Which they grow a lot of their own 
vegetables and they have a fish farm so that they're getting protein from the fish you know what's crazy is uh we traveled and we toured the facilities I, i i learned that they grow not only enough food to sustain the orphans that are living there but they grow enough food that they can give away to the villagers because they recognize that poverty is an issue in their community and they grow enough food that they trade with the hospital in Nairobi. So when the kids get sick and need more advanced medical treatments, they have kind of an account set up (laughs) because they've been able to give the hospital so much food in exchange for treating the kids who come really needing some A truckload care. of cabbage for uh, three hours in a hospital bed yeah, or something, whatever exactly. it might be. Exactly. Maybe okay. an intense surgery because there yeah. are a lot of issues. So what I walked away from just one, how all of the things that Charles Moley learned when he was a businessman, he applied those same principles in running this orphanage. And that was trying to figure out how to be sustainable. Yeah, that that first thousand dollars from the German missionary was huge in helping fund Mm. and keep things rolling. But he recognized that he couldn't just survive on funding from other people because eventually funding runs out or people stop giving or they're not able to give as much anymore. But he needed to be sustainable. And then he needed to change the ecosystem because part of being sustainable is you need rain. Yeah. And so his heart to plant trees, to start to change the climate, uh, that's ex- spectacular in what they're doing. And so the whole thing was just amazing because I watched this documentary and I was like, I got to see this for myself. Is this legit? Yeah. yeah. It's just hard to believe yeah. that you know, miracles of like digging a well happen and there's water all of a sudden and that water goes and people can start using it to plant things and plant trees and kids are drinking fresh water instead of getting sick out of the river water. And we saw what the river water looked like and it was like, look, there's no way. But yet the community, most of the community drinks that water. But again, Charles Moley has such a heart that goes beyond the orphanage and they have a whole big old tank set up for the community to get fresh drinking water. So, I mean, again, I know there's more that needs to be done, uh, you know, more rings to be sold in a sense. Yeah. But I think he is proud of what has happened already and what God is doing in that orphanage and through the kids. And it's those kids, those 15,000 kids who are now adults and not all, not but, all yeah. but most of them because it's been 30 years that he's been doing this that are now um, lawyers and doctors and yeah. politicians and teachers and they're part of changing the uh, future of yeah. Kenya not and in the world. little ways but in big ways when you're talking politicians and doctors and lawyers you've really changed so Kelsey let me ask this you you were there um, you watched the video, you've had the interview, you've been on the farm, we've done this podcast. Um, what do you want our listeners to do? How do you want them to, what's the takeaway that you want the average listener to have? And, uh, and maybe a takeaway for a few uh, special listeners who want to go above and beyond. Uh, first off, I would say the takeaway is um, I know we talked about it at the beginning of the whole podcast and in part one, but is to go watch the uh, the movie because I think just the learning the, the documentary. And I, I do see that you can see it for free. 
at molymovie.com slash family. Ah. So I think that would be a good family night. Okay. Where you, you know, as a family, you sit down and you watch this movie because I think raising up our kiddos to be inspired by someone um, who leaves everything and starts helping others, that's a, a huge thing. Perfect. Give that web address again for the moment. Yep. So it's molly, M-U-L-L-Y, movie dot com slash family gotcha so it's a free way to see that um i think whether it is to if you're inspired by mcf and want to do and be a part of what they're doing in kenya uh, there's always a need to to give and you know they're always doing something and there's they're building more when we were there as you could tell in the construction in the background um, they're building more dorms for the kids to stay in. They're building more classrooms. So there's always need to grow. Um, but I also just think that, again, Charles Moley wants us to kind of look in our lives and just figure out what ways can we sacrifice our comforts, what we're used to, to help others. And so really my takeaway for you today is just to continue to dive into your life and and write out the, the sacrifices, write out your comforts, and start to release those. Like if something were to happen, would you be willing to give up uh, a steady job or these finances or this part of your business or whatever it may be. But I think just having that heart of sacrifice and start seeing others and the needs out there. And of course, my biggest thing, and you mentioned earlier, is you know, find a, a way to volunteer in a local community. You know, there are soup kitchens, there's uh, horse therapy programs, there's something, and they're always looking for people who um, want to give back. Yeah. And so to start looking and like my eighth grade girls start seeing, figure out, okay, who in my life that's not super close to me, but I can visualize, maybe it's that person down the street that you drive by every day that just sits there and maybe needs a friend, um, maybe needs a hot plate lunch that you come and sit with them and you eat with them. I don't know, but I just think the more we can start seeing outside of ourselves and recognizing that there's things that we can do to make this planet and this world better, I honestly think that is what Charles Moley stands for and his heart um, and why he did what he did. And of course, it's his passion and his love for Jesus that gets him up each and every day. And I think that's pretty inspiring. So going back to what's your value system and why do you do what you do and what's your purpose, purpose in life? And that's always the question. So keep finding that out, exploring that. We want to hear from you, you guys. So let us know what you thought of the podcast, part one, part two of MCF. And uh, if maybe it has inspired you to do something that's a little out of your comfort zone and not normal and not something that you're used to, or maybe you do think of that person that, you think, you know what, I can take a little time out of my day and check in with them or bring them a hot meal and say I'm thinking about you. Uh, let us know. We want to hear your stories of maybe mm -hmm. how you've been inspired. Because again, we're not doing this for ourselves. Although in our conversations with these people, I think we've both have been inspired in our own lives to just continue to see outside ourselves. Uh, but we want to bring you guys into that with us and this journey with us. So would you share that? And share this podcast with a friend, a neighbor, and uh, just let them know that, you know, sometimes in this day and age where we're just kind of bombarded with all the dark and depressing things in life, there are some really cool people out there uh, making a difference in this world. And we know you can be one of those. So join us next week, Monday, for our another podcast on the Talking Story podcast. 
And for now, again, thank you to our sponsor, moimoimarket.com. And they are a marketplace that sells products with purpose. So check them out. And if it's all you can do right now is maybe just to buy a product that makes a difference in another person's life, um, you know, that's huge as well. So anyway, see you next week, you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on the Talking Story Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged and inspired. Be sure to visit our show notes for more information and find us on social media at the Talking Story Podcast. Your hosts, Bob and Kelsey, want to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Oh, and big mahalo to our sponsor of today's podcast, Moy Moy Market, a one-stop shop to purchase products with purpose. We truly believe you have it in you to change the world too and to make an amazing difference in the lives of others.